The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Open the pod bay doors. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the most you ever lost in the contest? Go ahead. Make my day. As you might have noticed, um, this isn't the sultry tones of Tony Black. It is actually Matt Latham. You might have recognised me from a few guest appearances previously. The idea being is that Tony is going to take a step backwards um, to soothe his ego and have guest hosts to host the podcast, changing every so often. I resent the fact that apparently I have an ego. <laughs> Meanwhile, so on the black hole. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Um, with Tony Black. Um, Hello. You'll have a few of the same things you usually do, usually have um, reviews of movies, a few opinion pieces, and there'll be an interview down the line somewhere in this this edition. With us, um, live from another part of the country, which I forgot to ask, is Dan Taylor. Say hello, Dan. Hello, how you doing, Matt? I'm fine, thank you. You okay? Yeah, not too bad. I'm from Devon, in case anyone's want to come visit me anytime soon. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll come to Devon. It's a nice country yeah. down there. It's nice. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. Which part of Devon, Dan, are you from? Uh, Mid-Devon. Mid-Devon. I'm about half an hour away from Exeter. So. Oh, nice. Okay. That's quite good. We, we should say, for the purposes of people who you know don't know, that we're, we're currently in Wolverhampton. In, Wolverhampton. In the West Midlands. Um, and we're both in the same place. Yes. So even though Matt does live only like twenty minutes up the road, really. So we we yammers, are, mm. as they say. We're not going to pretend we've got some facade that we're in a studio together somewhere. <laughs> yes, forget that. that facade, admitting, it, it, it is. The virtual, the virtual studio of the internet. <laughs> anyway, come as well as interview. We're going to have a few reviews of films that we've all seen during the week. Um, coming up, we'll have Tony speaking about Birdman. That was that wasn't a bird, was it? That was a chicken. No, really. <laughs> Not sure what that was. Yeah, under me neither. And we're going to have um, Tony will also be reviewing Taken Three. We're going to have Dan, um, who's seen who's seen Unbroken this week, and we're going to wrap it up with myself and Tony talking about the fear of everything, which we just finished watching about an hour, an hour roughly ago. about an hour ago. Yeah, yeah about mm. an hour ago. Mm. So we've raced back to mine to do a podcast aren't we dedicated yeah mm. like the comic gig book guy from the Simpsons <laughs> exactly like that guy <laughs> just in two people so okay so let's move so being the master of ceremonies that I am we're going to cook we're going to go and have a look at Birdman how did we end up here this place is horrible smells like balls we had it all. You were a movie star, remember? Who was this guy? He used to be Birdman. I like that poster. You wrote this adaptation? I did, yeah. And you're directing and starring in your I adaptation. That's yeah. ambitious. Are you afraid people will say you're doing this play to battle the impression that you're a washed-up comic strip character? Absolutely not. That's why 20 years ago I said no to Birdman 4. Hold the mask off! You do have the mask off! Now you're about to destroy what's left of your career. Oh! 
We should have done that reality show they offered us. Shut up. You know I'm right. You're so nice. Birdman, for those who don't know, is a film about um, a washed up actor who, about 20 years beforehand, basically made his name playing a superhero called Birdman. 20 years down the line, he's been trying to shake off the typecasting for all that time and tries to start open his own play on Broadway. The actor, main actor played by Michael Keaton, so there's a bit of meta in it already, since the whole Batman mm-hmm. facade, and it just kind of deals with his like personal life and critical everything that you might expect. Yeah. That if, if Michael Keaton was suddenly going to go and do a Broadway show, that you'd probably expect him to mm. be faced with. So, take it away. Well, I, th- well, I, think, I think this is... I mean, we've both seen this, Dan, haven't we? I think that the great thing about Birdman is that it it very much plays on a few different things. You know, the, the biggest thing is that it's it's a take on the superhero genre for a start that's never been seen before because it's it's kind of deconstructing the myth, I think, of superhero genres. It's, it's deconstructing the myth of the man behind the mask. Mm. And, he, and obviously the fact it's Michael Keaton just adds this extra layer of depth to it because, of course, as we know, Michael Keaton played Batman 20 years ago, so he's been through this whole thing of having to live with playing an iconic character for you know for, for decades and never quite escaping the shadow of that which which they all don't and even in the film the, there is actual references to the Avengers now you know the current superheroes like Robert Downey Jr and and all I think he gets a name check in fact and this this whole idea that it wouldn't take much for those guys to become Birdman and in in essence what happens is that Michael Keaton's character called Riggan John Riggan Thompson I think his name is he starts to actually hear Birdman in his head and that's that's the whole thing he hears the deep voice of Birdman as his id telling him you're useless why are you here what have you done to get here is that quite a good approximation that's actually very good thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah what are you you're an idiot what are you doing how do we get here and he he hears that a lot as he's as he's staging this play which is basically he's he's seeing this as his artistic comeback this is he's he's taking a Raymond Carver play from from years ago and it's this very kitchen sink drama and to him it means something this is his his reason his point you know this is his dramatic overcoming of, of all the crap that he's associated with and the irony is that what he's looking for is fame and adoration but not as Birdman and he will be seen in the street you know and he'll get lots of like people take pictures with him and they'll retweet them famously on, on, on social media which is which his daughter played by Emma Stone oh lovely Emma Stone <laughs> she she is very aware of that and you know the fame he wants isn't what he's got already and the brilliance of Birdman is that it actually deconstructs the myth of, of fame in many ways and, and what it kind of means and how destructive it is well it's um, not just Keaton though is it obviously you know Norton played Hulk mm. um, and Emma Stone obviously was in Spider-Man so there's mm. quite a lot of comic book actors in it as it were so mm. you, yeah, I think you're definitely right it's not just Keaton it's, it's you know a number of them um, have dabbled in that genre and so it's more true I think than just if it had been played by anybody mm. Yeah, and, he, and and Edward Norton actually, he, I mean Michael Keaton is, is outstanding throughout this. I, I'm, I'm, I don't yeah. know if you agree, Dan, but he is. I, I think I think Norton is as well. I think oh, yeah, the, the two of them were were incredible. And in fact, I almost convinced Norton is that person. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see him anything other than being a dickhead because you know some of the stories you hear about Edward Norton mm. uh, being it's a bit of a diva. That's mm. kind of exactly how I imagined to be. But that, but that's the thing. Maybe, maybe that's the 
persona that that we think of Edward Norton, and, and he's mm, aware yeah. of that. I mean, this, this to me because he plays essentially a character who is the lovey. He's the guy who yeah. is fated on stage. He's in a way he's the guy who, who Riggan wants to be, and yeah. he he's frustrated by the man because he, he comes in. He, brilliant scene where he, he basically is, he's found by Naomi Watts who's um, sleeping with him, and she's one of his leading actress, and she's quite good actually in a, quite an mm, underwritten yeah. part. And she she brings him in because the the, the actor they were going to have um, isn't there, and and he basically comes on and he starts telling Riggan how to direct and how to act, and he and he and he does it better. And then yeah. he begins to get his ego consumes everything, and it's it starts to actually become a bit of a. It's all part. There's lots of little different character pieces going on in this, and mm. lots of different little points. And I'll get to the camera work of how that works because that's very important to Birdman as well. But it, one of the big things is dynamic between them is reflective of what Riggan wants to be and mm. what Mike, who is Edward Norton, he is. And and the, the whole thing of like you say that Edward Norton is possibly this guy in real life. I think he know he's knowing of that. And mm. I think he's trying to send that up a little bit. And whether it's true or not, you know. But, but speaking about that scene, as you said when he first comes in and you know he literally just plays the script straight away. I was actually watching it with a friend. We we did A level drama together. And it was just like in that moment, we were just nodding, going, "Yeah, you know, that's exactly what it's like." You, sometimes you get somebody to come in that is so brilliant, they can just take it to another level. Yeah, and that's exactly what his character does in that scene. He just comes in and just you know completely transforms um, Riggan's view of what it's going to be like. And he, you know, at first, obviously, he's a bit apprehensive about it, but mm. then as soon as he sees how well they actually work together, it's a shame we don't get to see too much of that because from that point onwards, they're pretty much at loggerheads but mm. um, yeah no, I think it's very true of of you know theatre making you know it's a good reflection of, of what it is like it is and it, and it, that's the other thing that the film does in that it kind of draws that that parallel between theatre and Hollywood and, and it's interesting mm. because the director whose name you can pronounce very well Matt I believe can't you what, what's the director's name Alex <laughs> <laughs> he, Alandra 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 Oh, it's, <laughs> it's the third part of his surname. I, I wouldn't even know how to attempt. To Alejandro Gonzalez Iriatu. Yeah, now, that's it. Now, in fairness, I, I'm laughing at you, but I probably will say it wrong as well. In, in my head, it's Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu. That's yeah. But I could be wrong. I'm, I'm being a clever dick. But it's quite funny that well, I asked him this earlier, and he just went Alex in the end because he couldn't get anywhere else. <laughs> but Inaritu, basically, the way it comes at it is, it's almost like he's sending up. He's having a pot shot at Hollywood, even though he's working within the system, and that, yeah. that, that's what that's what I find interesting because the whole conceit of Birdman is that you know Birdman is this you know Hollywood schlock. You know, there's, there were three Birdman films; they made a billion dollars, right? Probably not quite as critically good as Batman, you know, mm. but they made a fortune of money, but they weren't brilliant. But everyone loves him as, as Birdman, and this this idea that Inaritu is playing with the idea of doing you know, another one, mm. yeah, yeah, basically, and it, it, it's. He's working against Hollywood within the Hollywood system, which I think is really, really interesting, and that and that's why he. I mean, he he's well known that he he got a lot of notes from the studio about how you film, how he was to film Birdman. Now, now Birdman obviously is filmed in a very, very unique way. It has about probably about fifteen cuts throughout the entire film. Although it's it, it would like you to think it's seamless, that it's one. Yeah, it, it does feel seamless. It, it does feel seamless. And some of the criticisms that I've seen have been a bit unfair in going, well, it's not seamless, it's 15 cuts. Now, it, it, mm. it, it is, but there are transitions and cuts, but it, it, it looks like it's one take. And the, yeah. you, the camera just follows each character around, and it's it's it, it's seamless between the different characters. So is it, is it, does it 
does it take place in real time? More or less. Mm, yeah, the, I think the cuts are, are, are where we get the uh, the time jumps, isn't it? Yeah. It, just, it almost it moves through a scene into another scene. Into another scene. Uh, and the, the time jumps are what? I mean, it takes place over a couple of days, doesn't it, really? Mm, so it's, yeah. it's not much, really. And you get well, the It's from the first preview, isn't it? Up yeah. until the uh, last preview. Yeah. So I, I guess it just takes over place pretty much over the course of a week probably roughly yeah building up to the uh, the, the the opening night and all through this week he's been increasingly psychologically destroyed but the the, 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 the interesting thing about it though there's an ambiguity with Birdman as to whether because all the way through he seems to have the powers of Birdman as well you know he's levitating yes. he's, 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 he's getting pieces of objects and swooping them so they come into his hand mm. and on the one hand it, 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 it seems to suggest that it's all in his head and that he's having a psychological breakdown. But there are also little moments and little hints that there might be something else to this. And yeah. I don't know if you picked up on that, Dan. Especially, you, in fact, especially I, the last I, shot yeah. without ruining anything. The, the last shot yes. suggests yeah. Yeah. something else, which is really yeah. interesting. The, um, it, it's, it's stuff like the, you know, the light bulbs. How I can't imagine how he would smash those in the way they were smashed, and they yeah. do stay smashed for when his, uh, his attorney, isn't it? I think he plays Zach yeah. uh, Galifianakis. You know, the... The aftermath of, of what he's done, regardless of whether he's done it with his fists or with his, you know, Birdman powers, mm. I can't think how he would smash those light bulbs with his fists it, in the way that you. Mm. It, it is a question. There are there are some real ambiguities to it, and that's what he's playing with. He's playing with the idea of reality. He's playing with the idea of of of, of what we see, and and he's, he's weaving it into this really bit of brilliant tale about. The, na- the self-destructive nature of Hollywood and the self-destructive nature of the actor itself yeah. and, and the roles that you play. I mean, there's this brilliant scene where he, he confronts the um, a, a really savaging theatre critic played by Lindsay Duncan, who's obviously a really good British brilliant. actress. Yeah. And there's that, she's fantastic. And there's this really electric scene between the two of them where she just he, she tells him exactly what he thinks of her and vice versa. And, he, and it, mm-hmm. it sums the whole concept up, really, in many ways. So would you, so would you recommend this... People no, I think it's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it was? Do you think it was ever so slightly too long? I didn't necessarily feel that. I, I can I can see maybe why. I don't know. It, it went fairly quick for me. Did you feel that? I, I thought it was definitely seamless, and I it's. I think for me, it's more. I, I wasn't completely happy with the ending. I would have rather it ended five or ten minutes before the you know the other big moment, and kind of you know if he wants to leave it ambiguous, you know, does he? Live or does he die or whatever? He could have done that moment five or ten minutes before during the is it the opening night or is it the final preview? I, I think remember. I think it's the final preview. Yeah, yeah, um, that so. moment. They could quite. I think I just personally, I kind of felt like they could have ended it there and left mm. it up to us about you know what happens mm. to him. I thought the end, you know, what we did get at the ending. While it it made me smile, I thought it was unnecessary slightly. I can I can see that point, yeah. But um, overall, you'd say you still recommend but, people watching. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. it's one I highly recommended this week. Absolutely, um, that's brilliant. Possibly uh, the best film of the week. Best film. Of the week. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so that was Birdman. He's on general release now, and it probably still will be until next week. I imagine. Um, I'm going to see if I can try and get it. Watch it. Oh, I would re- recommend that. Try and get it. Um, so we're going to take a bit of break of the reviews for a second because our our reporter in the same virtual studio as we stand, <laughs> he's going to um, speak about a couple of news stories. We'll speak about the BAFTAs in a bit, but three news stories that jumped out to me were as follows. The first one was in reference to 
uh, the fact that uh, the US DVD release of Pride seemed to remove all references to or sexual orientation of the characters and kind of like to basically sell it more as a British film. But you've got, I guess, I, there's two ways to read into it, really, whether or not they purposely did or whether they were just trying to promote the Britishness of the film more because basically the cover, which they basically just used the original poster, which was used mm. in uh, cinemas around the country... They just used that image and they've just adjusted it slightly, making Big Ben more prominent. Um, and the word gay is quite clearly still on the T-shirts. It's just they removed the banner, which talks about the gays for uh, gays for the Welsh miners or uh, whatever's on the actual banner. They've also um, removed um, the actual blurb on the back of the DVD case. It mentions, I think, I can't remember the exact language off the top of my head, but on the UK Region 2 version, it says yep. it's like gay slash lesbian um, yes. rights activists. Um, it just cuts out the word gay slash lesbian rights activists in the back. Yes. So it just says British activists. Yeah. So it doesn't actually reveal on the US packaging no. what they're actually after being activists for. So, yeah, I, I think that was that was more of the issue for me, was that they did just take that take that phrase out. Which I think was unnecessary. It would, I don't think it would necessarily put people the, off with it. The, the state, I think the statement. I think Mark Mulvey tweeted a statement that was from the marketing of the US, saying that they're trying to market mm. it to as many people as possible yeah. in the US, try and get them to watch it. And apparently, the gay, the gay lesbian aspect of the cover yeah. was actually detrimental to its marketing in America. Yeah. And, which it's, is an interesting it is weird I mean you know if, if you're going to keep references to gay on the on some of the t-shirts and, and you know I mean the, the, the essential idea of the story it's all about that I mean that, yes. that's that's the that's the main irony of it the, your pride itself the film is about this it's like in a way it could be it could be detrimental to sales because if they're going to take mm-hmm. away the main point of, of promoting it you know what it's it's a strange but it, it's it's typical of like marketing in that they mm-hmm. seem to zero in on the wrong things half the time yeah. You know, and yeah. One thing I, that... I, I think they were. I think they thought they were being savvy by promoting the Britishness of it. But I think, as you said, the whole point is that it's it's about you know it starts off about gay pride and then goes into obviously the, you know the mining uh, topics as well and about these two unlikely groups coming together to mm. do something positive. And it's the whole point of the story. You know, if, if someone is and there are people out there that just won't watch it for that very reason. But they're gonna they're gonna be a bit pissed off if they get ten minutes in to find that we're in a gay club. Yeah, in, 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 in Soho. <laughs> it's weird. That that's presumably the only reason they're trying to basically trick people who are homophobic into buying yeah. a film. <laughs> it's all about gays, yeah. and then going, "Oh, this is about gays. Damn it!" Right? Well, <laughs> if you're dumb enough to not know that the story of yeah. Pride is not about is about gays, then you you yeah. shouldn't really be watching films in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... I, I, I would say the American Pride has the same reason nowadays you've yeah. got two prides the, yeah. the, the, you know, the sin as it were one of the seven deadly sins and then the other one is it stands for gay you, you know gay right. pride marches etc so I, I think that you know definition is the same over in the states as well yeah you'd imagine mm. okay so if we move on moving on to the second news story of the week yeah, uh, second one is about Russell Crowe's controversial ah. uh, statement um, however is it the media Twisting his words, that's debatable. Basically, he suggests that older, actress, older actresses should act their age and basically play roles that are more representative of who they are and how old they are. Um, however, I believe his original statement actually didn't mention the word 
actresses at all. I believe he said actors, but I think they picked out the word female and decided to run that as a story, which, you know, that's typical typical journalism these days. Well, the thing is, what you know, I mean, what's his ultimate point, really? I mean... I, I'm not sure. I, you know, I'm not sure that he should be heckled completely for this because I think what he's maybe what he's trying to get at is that you know there are enough young actors out there now to mm-hmm. play yeah. roles that are you know for you know people who are in their thirties, whereas there aren't particularly that many really really good roles for actors who are you know are of of a certain age, especially women. I mean, this is one thing yes. that gets that gets bandied about a lot when you're talking about Hollywood and about films. You, you know, there are still actually, like, say, Helen Mirren, who's now in her 60s, you know, and, mm. or Judy Walters, um, your mate, Matt, because Matt met Judy Walters the other week, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, they, those are uh, amazing actresses who, who don't necessarily always get leading roles now because of their age. Mm. Whereas, you know, at the same time, does, does a Meryl Streep, say, does she need to be playing somebody who is supposed to be in their 30s I, I, I don't know I don't necessarily mm. know if he's being sexist I don't necessarily think he's being sexist I don't think he was being sexist no. I think in fact he was trying to do the opposite I think he was trying to say you know there aren't enough you know roles for women of, of, yeah. of this age but there are actresses out there that are capable of doing it right. they shouldn't have to you know de-age themselves by 20 years or not mm. have any work you know we've got, we've got countless you know actresses of that age nowadays Meryl Streep Helen Mirren Judy Dench Susan Sarandon and mm. Sigourney Weaver yeah. you know the list goes on and they're it's all loads. doing great jobs at doing what they do but they don't always get the parts you know yeah. and, and then they might be saddled in playing parts that you think well you know <sighs> but I would argue that he you know, he played Noah last year, and I wouldn't say Noah was fifty mm. when you know when he built the ark, etc. Oh, I don't know, I'm a bit rusty on my uh, Christianity, but as if he did, <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's a different story. He did story. it all, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that, that, that one seems it's you know it seems odd coming from him. Seems yeah. I would say he's probably guilty of, of playing younger. Yeah, uh, you don't see him taking on you know um, mm. the kind of roles that, for example, Tommy Lee Jones takes on. Yeah. Uh, you know about about older men. Mm. Um, I'd say he very much still plays that kind of thirty yeah. odd old man. He should really bear this out now by playing roles more his age. So mm. yeah, he, he should go in and do a film about retirement. Yes, <laughs> yes, about well, the saga. There's <laughs> not a lot of Russell Crowe's out there that are playing roles suited for their age. Mm. True. There, there needs to be more Russell Crowe's to be able. To <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, please, no. <laughs> Once enough. <laughs> and then, so if we should move on to the next news story. Yeah, the next one is uh, it's apparently been reported uh, by the Hollywood Reporter that North American cinema attendance hit an all time low, um, well, a 20 year low last year in 2014. At 1.26 billion box office numbers were the lowest in the US and Canada since 1995, which was recorded at 1.21 billion. What came out in 96 to change that? <laughs> I wonder. On the spot, Tony. Independence Day. Yeah. That was 96. <laughs> yes, it was, yeah. Um, was, was, was Titanic 96? No, Titanic was 97. Seven, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's a bit like, it's a bit saying, saying that when we are, we've just hit possibly the biggest year for cinema in within the last 10 years and probably for another 10 years. You know, we've got endless, massive blockbuster um, films out this year. I th- I think, I they're think... going to take stupid money I'd be very surprised if Star Wars doesn't break 
the all-time record. They'll have to come up with a new number. It may do, yeah. I mean, I think the, the whole point of this is that they're, what they're forgetting is is the different ways you can stream media now. I mean, yeah. you know, the yeah. interview... I mean, obviously, you know, the whole Sony thing is, is a, uh, a podcast in itself, but the, the, in, yeah. the whole reason of, of the interview being video on demand is because of the Sony problem. But that's already made, like, 30-odd million. And it's yeah. only been out like two weeks. Now that came yeah. out. That didn't come out in, in many cinemas. It got it got a certain release, but it's not been released over here in, the, in well, like it should have been. It's not mm. gone international, you know. And, and most people, the majority of people, will have downloaded that now. So it's a yeah. combination of you know BitTorrent and all these things. Putlocker, for instance. We, I mean, we mm. one of our fr- best friends uses Putlocker all the time, doesn't he? Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, we we were saying, do you want to come and see Dumb and Dumber Two with us a few weeks ago? And he said, Oh, I've already seen it. You know, I'm put like I, I showed it to my school yeah. children at work, allegedly. which allegedly, right? Yeah. Uh, we're not going to name him, so it's fine. Uh, Frank said. Uh, Frank said. Uh, <laughs> Abraham said. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The thing. The thing is, the, the the material that was out last year was not particularly strong. In fact, the I can't even believe it. It is, but the highest grossing film last year worldwide was Transformers. Well, oh, that doesn't surprise me because people are brainwashed into thinking yeah, that they should see these decent. things. Um, but <laughs> um, luck- luckily, in this country, we've got more taste. The Lego Movie topped our chart. So. Yeah, well, yeah, thank- thankfully. And before so, before we move on to the uh, next review, um, we're going to have a little word about the Baptists. Now, that, have they just been released? The nominations, or yeah, they were released. Um, I think they were released on Friday. Obviously, I, I wouldn't say there were particularly any surprises in the best film category. The one we just reviewed, Birdman, has been nominated alongside the Grand Best Hotel, which I believe you reviewed this time last year, probably. Mm, roughly, yeah, and no, yeah. glowing. Yeah. Imitation Game, mm. uh, which obviously was the uh, film starring Benny Cumberbatch, The Theory of Everything, which we'll hear about later, and the one for me, which uh, I think the most obscure of the bunch um, but the one I think that's the favourite at the moment which is um, Richard Leach's Boyhood yeah. which I saw last year and thought was fantastic um, I don't think there's any surprises in that category was there any that been missed out do you think? Well um, the big one that has been talked about and the big factor with this that has caused some consternation is the lack of British films you know? yes um, and, and this, is, this has been a big point the, the difficulty is it's, it has been a very it may not have been a very critically Strong um, uh, box office, strong year, but critically, yeah. 2014 was exceptional in many ways. Yeah. It had some ex- really, really good movies, a lot mm. of which are coming out at the, at the start of 2015 or at the very tail end, ready for Oscar season. But yes. the, there have been some British releases. The chief one was Mr. Turner, which is Mike Lee's. Um, That's been totally, you know, I don't think been at all, is it? Not at all, no. And no. Timothy Spall. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but Timothy Spall is supposed to be phenomenal in that role, and, and mm, it's yeah. it's an interesting. It's the biopic of of the painter Turner, and it's something that Mike Lee's been working on for a decade or more. And and for it to be snubbed at the Baftas, I mean, you can understand it a bit more at the Oscars because they, you know, they it's the Oscars. But at the Baftas, yes. a British film, there has been some consternation about that. And if you look at, at all the nominations, there is a lot of American stuff on there. And I'm not saying that mm. it's not it's not deserved because I think it is. I mean, you know. Things like Birdman being on there and, and the Grand Budapest Hotel and, and Boyhood, which I'm yet to see, or I can't wait. You know, a, mm. a lot of these films, Gone Girl, you know, a lot of them deserve to be on there. But it's it's <clears throat> it's a bit of a shame that our own film awards are, are neglecting a little bit the British talent in a way. Yeah, well, obviously the bottom two, both Imitation Game and Fear of Everything, um, are both British. 
But I think yeah, Mr. Turner's probably the, the big one that's been missed off all yeah. the lists. Um, outstanding British film, we've got 71, uh, Imitation Game, Paddington, which is brilliant, Pride, Fear of Everything, and Under the Skin, which I think probably is the one I would have dropped for mm. Mr. Turner. I know you really enjoyed it, but oh, that's probably the one I would have dropped. If I can just one second, I've seen a lot of people say that Paddington's really good. Mm. Now, mm. I remember seeing the... the the trailer mm. where it basically yeah. destroys that bathroom and I mm. thought it looked absolutely horrid mm. so, the trailer wasn't strong now I'll admit I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's a lot better than the trailer suggests mm. yeah because I saw yeah. the trailer and I, and I was thinking it's just going to it's be apparently place. excellent and I've had more than one person say that to me that it, yeah, yeah. it's really really good okay yeah. I, I do agree with you though Dan about under the skin in the sense that I'm not I'm, that is very 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 that's just on the edge of a British film for me in a way because it's got a major mm. American star in it. it it was filmed a lot obviously in Scotland and everything but I don't know it, to me that, that was marketed more as an American kind of thing so I, I, I don't know yeah I, 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 it, yeah, I, it, yeah it, was, it was filmed in this country wasn't it, oh. it but um, no I'm surprised it's considered but, overly British yeah. um, but there you go yeah, just said. It's, overall though I think on the whole I think they've got it right really with a lot of the nominations ok so with that we should move on to our next film which is Taken 3 Hey Manny Good to see you You too Kim's doing ok? Yeah, seems like the usual Kim Lenny! Lenny? Sir, back away now! I didn't do this. Put your hands up! Now! Wanted for murder. Suspect's name, Brian Mills. 21, he joins the army. At 23, he joins the special forces. He's a trained sniper. An explosives expert. No service record, no discharge record, nothing. This guy right here, he knows how to disappear. Listen carefully, Kim. Something terrible's happened to your mom. Dad, what's going on? Don't trust anyone. If you don't know what this is about, it's Lincoln <laughs> acting hard yet again. Um, in a role <laughs> that he's never he hasn't been done, he hasn't done for Three months. Um, <laughs> he, he plays ex-government operative Brian Mills when he's accused of a ruthless murder he had never committed or witnessed. As he's trapped and pursued, Mills brings out his particular set of skills to tra- find the true killer and clear his name. Can be. I just point out that Matt is reading this from the IMDb page, <laughs> which is why it's so it's, seamless. It's, it's, yeah, it is. It is funny that we've just I'm talked about host, Birdman a, and about the fact that, that he was obviously his dilemma is does he make another Birdman film? This has got to surely be Liam Neeson's dilemma. Is do I make a fourth? <laughs> taken for granted. Taken. We caught, we caught up with you earlier. We were taken for granted. What was the what was the what was the Take, taken for taken, a ride? Taken for a ride. Taken the piss. The, yeah, taken <laughs> taken the piss is is easily what this should have been called. The problem now with guys, uh, I, just to go back, I, I, we were talking about this earlier, me and Matt. Now, I, I personally think Taken, the first Taken, is very good. I think it's very good at what it does. I think it, it basically it's overrated. It's a you're not the only one to say that. In fairness, but for me, it's a pulp B movie action thriller 
which has a very simple premise. It's a bit retro. It's got Liam Neeson in his first role, reinventing his career as a hard man. And it works in that. You know, it works. Yeah. You know, he's, he's it's unexpected. You don't expect Liam... You expect Liam Neeson to go in there with some sort of treaty and, and, and calmly talk about it with someone, with that element of gravitas. But then when he goes in there and, and basically bashes a man's head off a sink, you're like, what? what? I'll this take is, note of that. I didn't remember Michael <laughs> Collins doing this. You know, it's like... Um, you had more would have been a quicker fight. Yeah, you know, this is a man who played Qui Gon Jinn, who basically just did Buddhism for two hours. You know, it's like you, you had a gnome that was released. I think it was at the same year or about the same time, which you know managed to luckily be preserved as a decent film because they didn't make lots of sequels. And I think this is actually it's actually damaging Taken's you know reputation, the original reputation of the original film, it is. because they keep making ridiculous sequels it is the, the second one taken to the cleaners was yep. uh, <laughs> the second one was you know it wasn't as bad as this one but it, it was you know it just took the same formula tried to flip it on its head so in the first one obviously it was it was Brian Mills going to Europe because his daughter gets kidnapped by evil um, Parisian perverts to be sold in the black market who are involved in girls dying in, in all these kind of places and it actually had some kind of comment basically on the mm. whole idea of a black market of trafficking in Europe you know um, Bulgarians coming around and selling to these czars and everything like that kind of like an under, undercurrent of something you know and then it had this pulp action stuff over the top and it was brief it was clicked it worked and Lee Neeson was awesome the second one flips on its head so it's more about the family and there's 30 minutes of them trying to reconnect with the family and Famke Janssen comes in not doing much just looking pretty for her age and then you've got Maggie Grace just there throwing grenades out of a van for no fucking reason whatsoever and it's just it's just that right okay. in Istanbul right? I'm going to do this whole review as Liam Neeson now okay? right? Please do, yeah. right? and so it's like it's just, then it was just like okay this just isn't as fun this time you know That's the idea of no, sorry. Uh, the idea is that he gets taken. <laughs> he gets taken in the in the second one. You think, okay, all right, someone's being taken, all right? Part of the audience for for a ride, as we say. But it, it, you know, but the premise is still not as good as the first time round, and you're left thinking, oh, okay. This one, however, obviously, of course, the first one made a ton of money. The second one then made a ton of money, even though it wasn't very good, and everyone said it wasn't very good. But and at the and time, even, and even um, apparently on the twenty eighth of September, two thousand and twelve. Liam Neeson was quoted to saying there will not be a Taken 3. Yes, you just headed off my point. Thank you, IMDB Facts, right? You just headed off my point. That's exactly what he said. He said there won't be a Taken 3, but I can't imagine a scenario where this would happen again. Really, Liam? Because nor could we, right? However, the audience went to see it in droves, and obviously Hollywood studios know a good thing when they see it, and they made another one. And they talked him back into it and said, Liam, we'll give you $20 million and you can just turn up, do that for three hours, and then you're fine, right? And he's gone... Um, okay. Tw- yeah. Okay. Twenty million dollars. Okay. Right. He took the yeah. money. He took the money and but literally it's, ran. <laughs> right. Okay. It's, it's taken. It's taken forty million dollars. Yeah. In its opening weekend in America. Yeah. Right. That's just the reason why. Ridiculous. The reason why is a. It's come out in a week where it's come out in a month. In fact, where a lot of the stuff in the cinemas is, isn't this pulp action bollocks it's actually yeah, it's, proper it's, it's a bit more highbrow isn't it on yeah context, so month. you know your middle American corn dog eating guy isn't going to want to go and see Foxcatcher he's not going to want to go and see Whiplash no. right he's going to want to go and see something where things explode and things do explode in Taken you know there are guns there are fights there are you know um, it, women in skimpy things you know it's, it's got all that to an extent okay well it does have all that actually it's got really one dimensional gangsters it's got everything that somebody wants for a dumb action thriller now dumb action thrillers can be fine okay? yeah. I've seen enough of them I like quite a few of them you could say Taken itself is a dumb action thriller it is okay the mm. first one but it does well it works well this right 
the bit well that's the first problem is nobody gets taken <laughs> nobody gets taken in this film it's all they did was go Luke Besson and Robert Mark Carmen, who wrote the first two, right, sat down with Olivia, Olivier Megaton, which is the most hilarious name ever, because why he's not called Megatron, I don't know, right? Okay. <laughs> or Metatron. Okay? Particularly when you're in, 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 in an industry where it's... Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It's acceptable to lie about your name. <laughs> exactly, right? But Besson and Mark Carmen, who are bonkers themselves because they made Lucy last year and Lucy is off its face in terms of yeah. nuts, Okay. Right, so Luke Besson's always been crazy anyway, right? But he actually can make good stuff. He made Leon and all these things, and The Fifth Element, mm-hmm. and so he's done stuff, good stuff in the past. But he wrote this, and they, they sat down with Megatron and said, right, uh, we what, what films do we like? And they've gone, we call like The Fugitive, and they've gone, <laughs> shall we do The Fugitive? Okay, let's do The Fugitive, but have it just taken? Liam Neeson, hello, Olivia Megatron, right? Would you like to do uh, Taken Three as The Fugitive? How much are you gonna pay me? Uh, $20 million why the fuck not okay I've got nothing else to do that was what that's, that, that's the conversation okay yeah. that's what happened that's a quite a fact right refute me <laughs> okay. well, that, well, what you just heard was an actual audio recording <laughs> that, that the news of the world found right exactly so they, they, they've done that they've wrote the fugitive has taken all that happens is he goes on the run his wife is killed spoiler Funky Anson dies so if you're going to watch her tough shit she's in one scene she dies. Well, she gets she gets killed in the trailer. Yeah. Well, oh, right. Okay. Well, the trailer tells you the whole film. Anyway, as yeah, usual, well, these things. Three minutes of my life, I might have to waste. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's all you need to waste, right? You never go to the thing. And then it's just him on the run, right? After like twenty minutes of boring family stuff, you know, Maggie Grace acting. To be fair, she acts more towards her age this time instead of like a little willowy girl. She's about thirty odd. Anyway, so he goes on the run, and then he he has to basically clear his own name because we know he didn't do it. Obviously, he didn't do it. 
And the people who did do it are blatantly obvious from the very beginning because you know exactly who really is behind it. And I won't spoil it, although, to be quite honest, if you don't guess it, then you've had lobotomy like the writers. <laughs> it's just... It's ju- I, I, was in, I, was in a, I was in a cinema in Telford. I don't know if you've ever been to the metropolis that is Telford, right? But it has a Cineworld with an IMAX. And because I, of the timing of going home and things, I went to the IMAX to watch it. And I went to this beautiful IMAX and this beautiful Cineworld. And I sat there in this beautiful seat. And I enjoyed the seat more than anything in the film I was sitting there going I quite like these seats I kept looking at the seats right just going these are lovely am I buying one beautiful seats how much did how much did buy a replica of these seats right yeah and it took the the slow lighting time of the phone I did keep checking my phone (laughs) and and this and this it's just it's just crap it's just action scene after action incomprehensible action scene I mean you know the second one wasn't very good for this, but this has the worst car chase I've ever seen in my living memory. It, the editing, it's like a bipolar crystal meth addict, right? It's every two seconds is a cut, right? And then, you know, the, the car, cut, jerky camera. It, 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 it makes the Bourne films look like they're on Valium, okay? It's just like, it, it, it just, it's just ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And the plot is obvious. Neeson just doesn't give a shit anymore. And quite frankly, he looks tired. You know, much as he's all, much as he's always quite cool and he's always got a bit of gravitas, he looks tired. The script is is ridiculous, boring. It's ju- and I love action films. I could watch Liam Neeson kick someone's head in all day. You know, not even in a film. I could do it in real life. I'd be happy, right? Just point- this to the impression of him. I'm sure. I'll kick my head in, right? But it's just this for two hours, and you know he's not bothered, and he's taking his money and running, and then by the end, that's that's, that's the name of the fifth. He's taking the money and running. Six one, he's, he's, yeah. take, he's taking yeah. a tag tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, heard, I, heard him, I heard him do an interview on Radio 2, and he just. He, he was given the excuse that he didn't want to spoil the film. <laughs> but it's clear that he just. It, it has no real plot. And it doesn't. He couldn't describe it. He was just like, well, it's a bit like the first one. And a bit like the second one, but it's the third one. That's it. That's all it is. It's like the second one, but it's the third one. Just. Shit, and it, it, it's it's just one of those films that we know is going to make a ton of money. It already has. It's going to keep making money because no one else is going to go and see anything else. They're all going to be seduced by Liam Neeson because he still has that kind of leading man pull for action films. Because he's made a few. I mean, last last year he made Nonstop, which was quite good, yeah. right? You know, and he, he keeps making some some are good, some are bad. He's in another one. The next one he's doing is, is another one of these, and he's just like not yeah. taking. I'm, I'm a bit worried there that, he, that he's he's unfortunately lost down the bottomless pit of tasteless action films it's too um, much I, now yeah he is he, he's getting he, he's starting to become he's gonna he's in danger of becoming a parody of himself now yeah uh, you know yeah. and it, it's it's a shame because he is he is an Oscar winning actor you know this man this man did yeah you've got people like Bruce Willis and Harrison Ford who've always tried to keep it fresh yes you know that you know he, Bruce keeps going back and doing diehard films but at least he's you know he's, he's doing a bit of something else at the same time to yeah, but Bruce Willis was never ever Liam Neeson level ability you know I mean Harrison Ford Harrison Ford's a better actor than people give him credit for but he was never yeah. Liam Neeson ability either they're not they're not those guys Stallone you know Statham they're not Neeson Neeson yeah. is a genuine thespian <laughs> and he's the, the novelty of all this is because he, he didn't do that it's because he inverted it all and he did the expendables kind of thing right and he went in there being this action man with brains and brawn right and then you think this is quite cool because he's you know he should off be off making like you know adaptations of Shakespeare and all this stuff yeah, yeah. in reality he's it's actually what, it's what he's got to do really isn't it he's got to go and do a Shakespeare or something just right. to, get, <laughs> to get his cred back but now it's just becoming yeah. okay 
right, Liam, all you're doing is this now and making comedies with Seth MacFarlane. Okay? Mm. You need to stop now. This is your career, yeah. mate. <laughs> so yeah. it's just it's just bullshit. But it, you, we'll, there'll be a fourth one because he's not ruled it out. Infamously, he was asked because he didn't because he ruled taking three out. He's learnt his lesson this time and he's gone. Yeah. We'll see how it does at the box office because he knows full well he's going to yeah. make a ton of money. And then they're going to come to him and go, Liam, uh, we will give you uh, twenty five million pounds. We are going to make uh, Taken meets Demolition Man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we will wake you up in the future in twenty five years and you can hunt. Another man in twenty twenty in twenty forty five in uh, France. That, that's what it'll be. Taken yeah. four. The taken, future. Se- te- taken seventeen based on the Hobbit. If, we, <laughs> if I'm honest, I would watch Taken Demolition Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I might as well. <laughs> so yes, you, you could just call that. You, you know, Taken the Demolition Man. Take it, yeah. Just call it that. Demolition Man. Taken to the building site. I don't know. It, it just, yeah. It's just crap. Just yeah. don't watch it. That was Taken Three, and, and it's still in the cinema. If you should desire to go and watch it. And now we're going to move on to our next one, and Dan's going to have a lead on this. Unbroken. However dark the night, however dim our hopes. Inbound, four o'clock, roll. The light will always follow darkness. Keep going the way you're going, you'll end up as a bum on the street. You train. You fight harder than those other guys, and you win. You can take it. You can make it. You can do this, Luke. You just gotta believe you can. Pop does. Ma does. I do. Louis, a moment of pain is worth a lifetime of glory. It's a story about a plane fighter in World War II who crashes down near a Japanese Navy boat and then sent to a prisoner of war camp. And Broken, obviously, famously, uh, the Angelina Jolie-directed film uh, written by the Coen brothers. It's it's a film that you don't expect Angelina Jolie to do, really. It's a kind of cross between uh, watching his story as he develops as an Olympian and then it cuts into uh, World War II scenes uh, where you, you you see him fighting on the front line as it were but it's the in in, in a plane (laughs) and it's good but unfortunately i think it suffers from the olympian side of things for me was a little bit more interesting than some of the world war ii related content because it does kind of feel like we've seen it all before it is based on a true story based on uh that of american olympian louis zamperini and strangely they've got cast in the role uh jack o'connell famous for uh, you've already mentioned it Skins yeah and also uh, it's another Brit that's been cast in the kind of secondary role uh, Dominical Gleeson he's the son mm. of um, Brendan Gleeson who you might know from the Harry Potter films am I right yeah yes he's a yeah, yeah he was in Deathly Hallows and um, About Time uh, Frank that's a true Brit as well but it's just a bit bizarre that a film based on the American army and American fighters is got two British leads. I'm not completely convinced by O'Connell's accent, but 
ultimately you can forgive that because he does give a fantastic performance as uh, the lead character Zambrini and you, you see how he's in a strength wins over in the end and uh, spoiler alert he makes it and it's it's quite bittersweet really because um, Zambrini himself died last year after having gone through uh, 47 days in a raft in the middle of the ocean to then being held in a Japanese um, camp um, for I'm assuming a very long time as well um, and enduring hideous um, ordeals and torture as well as obviously being worked to the bone he makes it in the end and kind of nice that he died of old age last year as I said you guys haven't seen it but did you hear anything about it? I've not really been that familiar about it at all and the only thing I know about it is that Angelina Jolie did a Derby accent because of like working with Jack O'Connell was da- oh yeah. from yeah, Derby yeah. <laughs> Jack O'Connell is from Derby and like he's yeah. like Ailton McDuck he's a he's a Derby he's from Derby and then um, Angelina Jolie got an award um, about a few months ago or something and pretty much downdropped Jack O'Connell and actually <laughs> did a Derby accent me oh, I heard about that. I didn't hear about that. Yeah. I think for me, one of the big things I, I heard about is how close she became to Zamparini before he died. In that mm. she, because uh, she could talk with him a lot. You know, I think I think a big thing about that was that she, you, he became a very close friend apparently to Angelina Jolie over the time. And the interesting thing about her and this, you know, is that she she's really trying to carve herself more of a niche as a director now, which. Oddly enough, she said before she feels more at home behind the camera directing than she does in front of the camera, which is ironic given she's one of the you know major star golden stars of our age in terms of you know beauty and yeah, yeah. Icon- icon- iconic. You know, she's like an Elizabeth Taylor of of the modern age, in kind of. Yes. And if she ever ever manages to make that Cleopatra bar pick, which she keeps wanting to do, she really will. Be. And it's like it's it's interesting how she she's more interested in in being behind the lens, and and I think it's helping Angelina's cred by actually doing films like this. Now, whether or not the film is any good mm. is another matter, really. I mean, you'll know that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is a good film. Uh, I saw two this... Well, three this week, actually. I saw Birdman, I saw The Imitation Game, and I saw this. And it was probably my least favourite, but that's not to say it wasn't a good film. Mm. You know, as I said, O'Connell gives a brilliant performance, and, and Gleeson him, him, himself as well is, is very good. It, I, I just, just at times, there was some stuff that I felt maybe a little bit comical and perhaps shouldn't have been there's a very shall we say camp Japanese um, army general who for whatever reason takes a shine to O'Connell's character not the kind of shine that um, means that he's giving him um, an easy ride in fact Mm. it's quite the opposite and uh, a a little factoid that you get at the end is that he's actually was the only captor uh, that refused to meet Zambrini when he returned to uh, Japan to basically forgive, as it were, the people that made his life hell for, for the time that he was in that camp. And I don't know, the performance was just, I don't know, maybe that's that's exactly what he was like, but to me, just it just it felt a bit weird. And the, the guy was just a bit, I don't know, for me, he wasn't threatening, particularly. And in fact, there were times where I thought he was quite amusing and he probably shouldn't have been. Mm. And it was that, for me, was the 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 least interesting part the time he was in the camp which I I think was probably supposed to be the most interesting part for me was the weakest the the Olympian side of things um, him training and, and, and 
developing and, and racing in the uh, I think it was the 500 metres but it might have been the 1500 metres uh, at, at the Olympics in Germany that that side of the story was the most interesting part for me and kind of his relationship with his brother and, and, and the, you know those elements were stronger for me than the Japanese side the raft side was interesting but it, I did feel like I'd seen it last year um, in a uh, Robert Rodriguez film I can't remember the title of it now which basically was just, which took place with Robert Rodriguez out in the middle of nowhere in 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 the sea in this raft, as it were. And I kind of felt like I'd seen that before Ooh. in that film. Give it, it was a different take, obviously, because it was it was based in World War Two. But I'm not sure what film that was actually. Robert, Robert Rodriguez. No, not Robert Rodriguez. Robert Redford. Whoops. Oh, I was going to say all he's lost. <laughs> <laughs> all they're very similar. Very they're very similar people. people. You know, it's easy to get a mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Yes, all his last where he was, he was, which is I haven't seen, but was critically acclaimed. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Unbroken, it struck me unbroken as, as being a very much a a story that could have been really powerful, but could also be something that's it was an unknown quantity for me. But um, it's good to hear that it, it works, you know, on that yeah. level. Yeah, as I said, there were just elements that that I didn't enjoy. And I thought I, like I said it before. I said it for Birdman, but I just felt again it's just a little bit too long. And I I, I think that's a, a criticism a lot of people are making these days is that you know some films that are just ever so slightly too long. Um, this one runs. Uh, I think it's about 140 minutes mm. in total. So it's you know it's over that two hour threshold. And for some you know some people tend to lose interest if it's any longer than you know kind of an hour and a half. So and, you know I wouldn't have said it should be that short, but I, you know I would say it was perhaps 20 minutes too long. So overall, you said it, you mentioned that it was not. <coughs> it's probably the film you enjoyed the least out of all the ones you've seen this week. This week, yeah. You, I, I you haven't seen Taken. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't see that one, luckily. So, um, but yeah, out of the three films that you I saw this week, yeah. um, that was that was definitely the weakest. But you know, I I think it probably will get some traction at the Oscars, so it probably is one yeah. that's worth seeing. That was Angelina Jolie's Unbroken, and that's still the cinemas for next week as well. And we're going to wrap. We're going to wrap up with our final review, which is one that. Me and Tony saw about nearly two hours, finished seeing it two hours ago. Um, the theory of everything. Come on, get up. Morning, guys. Stephen, are you aware that you voluntarily embarked upon a PhD in physics? Hello. Hello. Science. Arts. I'm a cosmologist. What's that? I study the marriage of space and time. The perfect couple. One never knows from where the next great leap forward is going to come, or from whom. What if I reverse time to see what happened at the beginning of time itself? Wind back the clock. Wind back the clock. Keep going. I don't know how. Yet. Keep winding. It's um, a biopic or biopic or whatever how it's pronounced. Why is it you can never say words normally? <laughs> it's every time it's biopic. What was the, oh, I thought about biopic. this the other day? It's, it's biopic. biopic. Well, the other one he said a few years ago. Premise. That was it. Instead of premise, it was premise. pre-mise. What's the premise? <laughs> What's a premise? Not even Americans say premise. Shut up. <laughs> I'm still the host. Does it help by saying biographical film? 
the thing is, what I always said it was a biopic until I heard Mark Mode mention a biopic, and then my brain is confused. Mm. Well, maybe he's wrong, although he's never wrong. So let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's start a game, shall we? Controversial. Let's start a game. This isn't getting caught. I'm in charge of the cut of this. This is in. This is staying in. The host of inject will eject you from your own podcast. That, that yeah. could be a special downloadable feature. Yes, it will yeah. be outtakes. <laughs> have, no, we'll have to have a live podcast where every listener has the ability to inject, inject a seat up into the roof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Theory of Everything, it's the biopic about Stephen Hawking, based on a book by Jane Hawking. It basically chronicles Stephen Hawking's marriage to Jane, I can't remember her name, but, uh, and pretty much the first stages of his motor neuro disease that he had, and leading up to writing the book The Theory of Time. Um, it stars Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Eddie Redmayne, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, well, he's terrified now. He's getting he's getting names wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eddie Redrain. Eddie uh, Redrain, <laughs> starring Eddie Redrain and um, Felicity Jahez. <laughs> Just purposely getting yeah. Hones. Yeah, Hones. Felicidad Hones. And Harry and Harry Lloyd is also in it as well. But no, it stars um, Eddie Redmayne as the title, well, title character is as Stephen Hawking, who mm. now is like one of the smartest people to in our lifetime. Mm. Um, Lisa Jones plays his wife Jane, and it's pretty much the story between those two. Mm. Few blinking and miss it famous people, mm. famous British acting aristocracy that you see mm. in the background. But he's pretty much a two-hander mm. between the two of them. It's a very very sweet film. It's not. It's not as tear-jerking as I expected it was going to be. Mm. It's actually very uplifting. Mm. Um, it, it does. It, it does help by the fact that you know that you pretty much everyone who sees it will know who Stephen Hawking is. So mm. it pretty much has that to working towards it as well. Very sweet and romantic as well. Very romantic. Mm. I realised how romantic it was, mm. and actually quite funny in quite a few places. Mm. Mm. The thing is about this is that when, when you go into a film about Stephen Hawking and a, and a biopic, 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 I don't know, <laughs> when you, a biopic, a biopic, when you go into something like this about Stephen Hawking, you know, you have a preconceived image of Stephen Hawking in your mind now. You know, everyone does. It's the man in the wheelchair, mm. the motorised voice. It's that. It's that whole thing that people immediately think of. And you know, it's it's weird, in fact, watching this and coming into it where Eddie Redmayne is playing a guy who can walk, who can talk. You know, who seems to be of he's certainly of sound mind because he's a genius. And then there is no doubt about this film that he is a genius. You know, that is one thing that they're at pains to remind us of without being over over, over the top. That he is a, he is a, one of the greatest minds has ever lived, and certainly one of the greatest minds of the twentieth century. But it's this tragedy that you know is coming. It, it underlays the whole thing. You know, this this yeah. idea that you know we know what the man's going to end up as. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it is really uplifting because, as we know, Stephen Hawking is still alive. He's seventy two now. He had he was given the diagnosis of two years after he got after the motor neuron was. Yeah. Was diagnosed in something like nineteen sixty. Yeah, mid mid sixties. So you know he's lived for fifty years more than he should have done, which is truly remarkable. You know, and it's it's it starts off with with a man who is you know he's got everything in front of him. You know, he's he's got this these brilliant ideas. He's he's already quite a legendary physicist in many ways with his peers because they they recognise in him that they don't have these things. Yeah. Then he meets Felicity Jones, 
um, Jane, who immediately is, is drawn to him by his intellect and by his his, his kindness and his humour, because he's very funny, you know, and he's, yeah. mm. without being overly funny, he's got that dry sense of humour, so she's drawn to him anyway, she sees that in him. And it's all going fine, you know, it's all going great, and then steadily we start to see that he's got this this this, this disease, and it starts to then, de- you know, go down that road. But the, what it could have been was very grim, what it could have been was very dour, what it could have been was very crushing but it's not and that's probably the biggest surprise of this like you said it's very romantic it is, it is all about their relationship she is the reason that he carries on she's the reason that he keeps living you know because she's got such faith in him and she's determined to keep him alive partly because of his intellect but also because she loves him Yeah. but then at the same time it charts the difficulty that she has and, and you know I mean the biggest thing to say is that the two performances are outstanding oh, I mean amazing Felicity Jones herself has a difficult role because she's the wife and she's very much torn between her duty to, to Stephen Hawking and, and her love for him and also her desire for a normal life and it's it's a very complex role that you perhaps don't realise as you're watching it until you perhaps think about afterwards that the amount of stuff that happened the stuff that happens with her it's you don't actually appreciate how much he mm. either sacrificed or yeah sacrificed definitely sacrificed to Hawking, mm. um, have, have you seen the um, uh, other Hawking films? Uh, um, there was one in 2004, which was uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, BBC version. No, we talked um, about this earlier, didn't we? Well, I, no, I, 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 I can't, I'm sure I have memories of um, of Cumberbatch. Yeah. Mm. And again, that was yeah. 2004. It was a BBC, BBC Two an hour and a half one-off special, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I vaguely I, remember it. I didn't watch it, but I vaguely remember seeing it trailered. Yeah, it was a while mm. ago. But, um, yeah, I, I think that one was a lot more. Um, the, the tone of it was a lot sadder, I think, mm. than, than than obviously your account of this one. And that one did track, you know, his his, his difficulties and his troubles a lot more. It, it was more about him, whereas this one sounds actually a lot more about her and it, her. It, this, it kind of is. It. it kind of is, really. I think. Well, it kind of starts off with Stephen Hawking's at first. Then the kind mm. of, I think, as it's it's no spoiler to say that um, Stephen Hawking starts to lose the ability to speak. Mm. When that happens, that happens around the. He's, he's still communicating, but he's struggling. Mm. Um, but when that time when he gets harder for him to speak, that's when the the film starts to shift mm. and the focus slowly starts to realign itself. Mm. With yeah. Jane and Lister Jones and it's you can, it's noticeable but it still feels as part of the whole story yeah. um, so it's more or less about the both of them but it's not just about him it's about her as well in um, a way it's about him from her perspective a lot of yes. it yes. You know, well, to, be, to be fair it's based on her book it, exactly it? So... and it's kind of an account because the, the reason of that and the reason that works is because Obviously, you know he can he can communicate, but in many ways he can't communicate in the same way that he could if it was a biopic of someone who could speak, who could walk, who could mm-hmm. talk. There's a difference with how he communicates. In that, even with his voice machine, he can't communicate like I'm speaking now, or like Matt's speaking, or you're speaking, no. Dan. So to actually do that for all those years where he couldn't talk and he was in that wheelchair, from his perspective alone, he's very hard to do because. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the book is Jane's, so it, it, it's almost like you are right. There is that shift about it being her life but in a way it does feel like it's her story about mm. Stephen's you know life and that's why you know it takes place not completely over his entire 50 year lifespan it takes place over say roughly around 20 years mm. and 
Um, there are reasons for that, which you know I won't say specifically. But if you know the history of Stephen Hawking, you'll kind of know why. But the, the, it's interesting you mentioned the other the other version because I said to you, Matt, didn't I, about how I'm sure Cumberbatch played this role because we, we were talking about how, and this brings me on to what I was going to say about Eddie Redmayne because his performance is extraordinary. It's remarkable. It's, it's extraordinary, and he he captures Stephen Hawking in a truly he manifests Stephen Hawking yeah. every in every way. And it, the, the, the bit I, the, what I was quite surprised of is that the motel neuron disease and Stephen Hawking in general it could be so easy to feel bad taste mm, yeah. or very uncomfortable to watch it, but it's, mm, it goes nowhere near that mm. it's nowhere near as uncomfortable as you, you could fear it could be mm. it, yeah. it doesn't feel as insulting it, it looks like you are actually watching yeah. someone go through that and the, the transformation that um, Eddie Redmayne seems to go through mm. and it it's just it's one of those things you can't really explain it. you just yeah, it's mm. got to be seen to it's, it's, it's phenomenal it, it, it's he, he, he deserves to win some kind of award in some way and it's you know the interesting thing about it is that he actually did a massive amount of research for Stephen about Stephen Hawking in the months leading up when he got the part and you know he, he was really pushing for the part and he got the part and then he did a lot of research and he met Stephen Hawking about two two or three days before he started filming and uh, he said and there's, there's an interview where he says he just gabbled lots of facts about Stephen Hawking to Stephen Hawking and felt like a right idiot yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking at the trivia bit on IMDB apparently in the three hours I spent with him he said maybe eight sentences mm, yeah and he just carried on talking and then mm. it's interesting because then apparently Stephen Hawking saw the finished product when it had been cut together and he loved it so much that he actually licensed his voice technology for them to use so in the film it's actually his, it's copyright his voice technology is copyright so he actually yeah. licensed that for them to use in the film, which adds that authenticity. And he was yeah. very fond of the final outcome and fond of Redmayne's performance because he does encapsulate Stephen Hawking. And as, yeah. as I was going to say, that one of the big things about Eddie Redmayne is he's not a household name because no. he hasn't had that Cumberbatch-style role yet. He hasn't had the, the Sherlock or the Khan or something to stratosphere him. Whereas yeah. this, I'm not sure it will stratosphere him because it, it, at the end of the day, it still is a British yeah. you know, independent, independent film. film about a very niche it's not a mega 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 swat film by any means but it's it's a critical darling but and it, it could, could lead it could, yeah and it could be his stepping stone for yeah, that yeah because, but, and, and like Cumberbatch he, he could balance a career that's genuinely you know talented and, and yeah. with genuine ability yeah. with well, well I, I, I saw him in Les Mis and I was very surprised that that didn't you know be, wasn't the stepping stone for him I because he was, he was probably the standout performance from that as well I don't um, think I've seen him in anything else actually well the, the, one of the biggest things he was in probably over the last couple of years was My Week with, My Week with Marilyn which was which was a yes. film about Marilyn Monroe and, and he played yeah. a, a guy who has quite a normal guy who has a relationship with Marilyn Monroe but it wasn't a major film Michelle Williams was Marilyn Monroe in that it was, I think I know that yeah but he hasn't had and he's in Jupiter Ascending next month which is the new Wachowski Brothers one which has been delayed yeah. a lot and, so many times. Yeah, yeah and, it, and I've seen the trailer with him in, and he said he doesn't he doesn't seem nearly as good in that as in this. <laughs> but but we'll see. But it, it, those kind of films again, it's not a major part, so that is more is more than likely not going to stratosphere him either. But he's one of these guys who deserves the credits that he gets because mm. it's his performance that really really makes this work and it, it you know there's, there's a lot of other things I mean just to, to say there's not a lot of credit for the people behind the scenes as well I mean it's really well written it's really well put together it has this real through line of, of romance it has this real through line of being very contained between the two of them I, it, it did kind of I, I was taken aback at one point mm. I was like 
quite it's quite it's, it's moving very powerful. It's, it's, very powerful. it's very powerful it's very powerful it's moving it's also funny as you said earlier because yeah. it does have that dry wit because Hawking's a very funny guy you know some of the stuff he comes out with he's very self-deprecating he's very he takes some of the tragedy in a kind of humorous way and he, he deals with it in yeah. that way to some extent but it's, and he's, he's still got a sense of humour and there's like and there's always a few odd moments where it's the same it's, you can still see the same guy when he was like in yeah. the 1970s when he can walk and he can he can do stuff like that definitely but then there's also these ongoing motifs as well because there is obviously the scientific backbone about it all about his theory of which led him to write a brief history of time and, and his books and this you know this theory of, of black holes and about time where, where basically the, the whole idea of the, of the title is that he's trying to find the theory of everything and he's trying to put kind of a, a an understanding of the universe and it, it's the whole relationship with him and Jane in a way is a microcosm of that because it's it, it, in the end he realises that he can't kind of define it you know in, in he, like he can't fully define the universe he ends up going back on his original theory which he presents in Cambridge like in 1963 and there is this ongoing motif about time being a kind of causal in a loop there's a lot of circles in the film there's a lot of circles on he moves in circles in his wheelchair you know the circles are drawn as black holes on a chalkboard there's a big motif about that and it's it's all part of the underlying idea that that time is a big force in this and there's a final shot at the end which kind of underlines that which you really love didn't you and it's you know it's 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 good There's there's a few things going on and it's you know, so it's not just a character piece but when it is a character piece it's a wonderful character yeah, piece I just have to point out with Eddie Redmayne Felicity Jones is still brewing with a swing swing yeah, yeah. I've, been a fan of, I've been a fan of Felicity Jones for a while really? <laughs> yeah like, don't say oh she's a local lass she's from Birmingham is she? yeah she's Bourneville. not from Bourneville is she really? yeah Bourneville lass okay. no but I mean yeah she takes a what could have been like a fantasy mm. um, antagonistic role but it mm. really isn't and adds a mm. lot of emotional weight to the choices that mm. happen and mm. And you kind of believe it. Mm. You kind of like believe it's very believable. What, what did it, it's believable because it did actually, yeah. it actually happened. Because it's a true yeah. story. It's a true story. And that's I think why it's so powerful and why, you know, we were quite moved by it because yeah. it is real and it, and it does it did happen. And this man is such a, he's such a, a hero in many ways for what yeah. he's gone through. And and if ever there was a life affirming story, it's something yeah. like this because if he can live a full life with children and be a genius and have a career like he has with what he's gone through with how difficult yeah. his life has been then people should stop and think I about think, how lucky yeah. they are <laughs> I think one of the things that's going to make me I'm going to have to see if I can check out some of Eddie Redmayne's early stuff mm, mm. and probably watch a few Jesse Jones' early stuff as well yeah definitely yeah. And, and Dan I reckon we recommend this to you yeah, no, I, I probably early. will definitely go and see it next week. The one I had on my list. So. Yeah, it's, it's. I think you'll really enjoy it. Very good, and it, it's still going on till this week. Wasn't sure it was going to actually stay mm. on for another week, but I think it's actually doing better than people expected because the arena we went to it was a lot more. It was people. quite full. It was quite full. Mm. It wasn't packed, but it was a lot yeah, more people I, than I was expecting to be in there. Yeah, well, I, I actually fully expected to, to to run until the end of the month in in a lot of places, uh, particularly the big the big cinemas. And I know Picture House. I think I think they they they're generally holding it next week and probably the week after as well. Word of mouth is, is mm. I think word of yeah. mouth is hitting it. So it's I think yeah. it is. I mean, you you know about this, Dad, because you obviously work in a cinema. Or you did work. Yeah. In, you still do, don't you? Yes. Yeah. So you know. You yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's things about um, obviously 
these kind of Oscar, I hate calling them Oscar bait films because mm. I, I, don't, I, I don't really agree with that term, but they do also tend to get a second wind. Mm. Um, the, the, the nearer you get to the Oscars, actually, in some cases, particularly for the ones that are very good, yeah. you know, the audience figures come back. Um, and that's why they tend to hang around a lot longer than films like you know films of this style, you know the more highbrow films um, yeah. would at any other time of the year. Whereas usually you know they would probably come on for two or three weeks and then disappear. Yeah. So we, that coupled that that coupled with the when well, this is Oscar Bay, but that coupled with yeah. the word of mouth, I think yeah, it could mean it runs a bit more. And it's it's already you know made double its budget because it was didn't cost very much. So it's mm, it's good because it, it deserves to be seen. It is it is one of the better bio bio. Biop, biop, bio, biopics. Filmographical pieces of art yeah. <laughs> that, that has been done in a while. It's a representation of truth. It is. Pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> Pretentious phrase of the day. Yeah. And I never thought it'd be funny. <laughs> so, and with that, um, and the looming prospect of work in the morning mm. on a Sunday evening, mm. Um, mm. we're going to have to bid you bid this podcast to you. Did you? Did you? Mind you? And from our fray. And <laughs> Stop <laughs> quoting only fools and horses, Matthew. Mind you, us. This is a film podcast, not a TV. Yes. <laughs> yes. We will, we will have to wrap this up. Um, so you're going to wrap. Don't wrap. We've told you about this before. Mm. I can't help it. It's, it's, it's who you are. It's who I am. You're suppressing, it comes from in me. You're suppressing my artistic license to be me. Pretentious again. This is worrying. I didn't make the whole thing for about an hour and a half. So. <laughs> okay. Um, but yes, um, if you're still listening by this point, we thank you for listening. Why are you still listening? What's wrong with you? Don't you have lives? <laughs> But thanks. Yeah. It yes. is Sunday. <laughs> and with that nice words from Tony Black, we hope you join the next edition. Fat chance. <laughs> but um, yes, um, thank you for listening. I'll say a big thank you to Dan Taylor. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. I'll no say problem. a big thank you to the man in the chair, Mr. Black. Pleasure as always. And a big thank you for the guy who hosted it, Mr. Matthew Layden. Yes, thanks, Layden. You've done yeah, a grand well job. Yeah. Thank yes. you. Thank you. So with that, it's a goodbye from these. Bye. Bye-bye. And it's a goodbye from me. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.